Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. And what is up, everybody? It is the weekend. I am so excited for today's guest because we have Zena Coda, who was the senior director of digital community marketing at 2K, which was one of my favorite game franchises. Honestly, it still is. Um, 2K5 for anybody who remembers that one. Iconic, the music, the soundtrack, everything. Zena is so cool, so awesome. As you can tell, I'm so excited to have her here. Um, she is up to some amazing things at 2K and leads their creators social and community engagement functions and just everything in between she's so like she she's a legend she's iconic um I, I i'm overwhelmed by excitement with her so if you like video games if you like music if you just like to hang out and hear people talk this is episode for you because Zena breaks it all down of what 2k is doing announcements they've come up to and her music background like she's done it all so get ready for today's episode Zena, how are you? Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. All right. So before we kick off, we always like to start with the question, um, what the term young influential means to you? And there's no right, wrong answer. It's whatever you want it to be. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I think the youth are extremely influential, right? Like youth culture influences everything that we see that makes it mainstream, right? So, you know, as I get older, I used to be young once upon a time. Um, <laughs> I do look to the youth and younger folks to to basically like tell me what's up and coming, right? Like what what is the future going to look like? So when I look at young influentials, um, I think that being young does make you influential, whether you recognize it or not, right? I wish I knew when I was younger how influential my taste and my thoughts actually would be. Um, and now that we're living in a time of social media, you know, kind of taking over broadcasts, right? Um, we're able to actually see people's opinions and digest them and they become more popular than even like embedded thought. Right. So I think being young just makes you influential inherently. Come on. Exactly. Like making me think of like, <laughs> the early 2000s when Mary Kate and all of them were taking over Paris. Um, uh, the first else? influence, the first yes. fashionistas. Yeah. <laughs> the Holy Trinity. <laughs> Lesser souls. <laughs> Dead. Um, but to kind of fast forward, take us back to childhood, Zena. Were you big into like uh, uh, video games or did media influence you? Like kind of where did that interest kind of stem from? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been a media junkie my whole life, right? Um, you know, I am a baby of the 80s. So I did grow up playing Nintendo, Super Nintendo as my really like a 
kind of like beta, <laughs> beta experiences of video games, Dreamcast, you know, then graduating to Xbox, only have like a solid Xbox in my house these days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've always liked games. I mean, honestly, even when I was really, really young, when I was a young influential myself, um, you know, I'd play Lemmings on the computer, like PC was such a big, you know, driver of gaming. So for me, like gaming has always been uh, an interesting form of, of entertainment. And when I think about media and how all these different things have kind of come to clash with it as a really serious contender in, you know, the entertainment space, it's kind of incredible to see how far gaming has come as its own lane. Um, I, right prior to this, was a musician and, you know, it was, it was working in music for a long time and also worked in the digital side of like movie promotion, video, um, some video games and also like some TV promotion. So like I've kind of seen 360, the way that everything comes together. I mean, media to me growing up as a kid, you know, again, of the 80s who grew up with a TV in their household, a TV in every room at one point I had to reduce I had to reduce <laughs> before cell phones were a thing. I was still pretty much like, let me fall asleep to the TV every single day. Um, but you know, like consuming just became part of our culture, right? When you think about it, people didn't have inter- like my mom's generation didn't have entertainment at home as readily available. So, you know, media has influenced pretty much like every, every move I've made. And it's been incredible to see how, the ebb and flow of media has also almost in some ways come around full circle to the point where like some people don't even want to use media, right? Like there are a lot of younger folks are like, oh, we don't want to be on any of these social media, media channels. We just want to be ghosts. Right. Um, so it's been really cool. Like media to me has influenced a little bit of everything that I do. And it's just kind of led me from a North star standpoint to want to continue to be involved, make culture be a steering force within culture. And it's incredible to see an idea that you had or an idea that you formulated with your team become something that actually like breaks the barrier. No, that's so true. And I feel like when you said watching TV at night, it made me think of like, not only did I used to watch like Brady Bunch before bed, but do you remember uh, that? Like, do you remember that Celine Dion commercial, that commercial of those whole songs where it's like, cause I'm your lady. And it was like mad loud. I don't know if you remember that commercial. But it was like was in it the like night. a TV compilation? Yes. TV yes. Compilation? <laughs> What is yeah. like, it? Like literally a playlist, right? That. It's literally a playlist. Like these days, you can literally just drop and drag the song in. But an entire industry, and I think it was E One or one of those one of those media companies like E One had made an entire industry of a now this and just compilations of songs. How crazy is that, right? Like, like can't can't knock the hustle though. Can't knock the hustle, yeah. right? They were in their bag. Yeah, they were in their bag. Like, you could totally. not, like, I lived by the Now album. So I was like, if the artist is not on Now 29, I don't know, guys. They're not going to make it. Yeah. <laughs> How the times have changed. TikTok totally took over that way. Yeah. Um, but fast forwarding, like, to, like, school and beyond, like, was media, like, one of your favorite, like, subjects? Or did you study it? Like, kind of, like, how did you then start to kind of learn more about the industry yeah so i'm from the great state of new jersey the best place on earth clearly you better rap, you better rap uh, it <laughs> all right jersey all right jersey hey, i may live in la right now but you already oh, come know on, what it come is come on hoops come on hoops <laughs> the hoops and the red lipstick i'm like yeah. um yeah i let's see so 
I had been a musician and in theater and kind of like immersed in that. I'm Filipino. We really grew up like performing, acting, right? Like literally every holiday, it's like, you sing, you sing, you like, it's very <laughs> part of everything you do. So going into the entertainment industry and working in media kind of was a natural progression, right? Because you become interested in the business aspects of it. So when I got to school, I was actually already working at, um, you know, I started kind of like, getting my my interest in working at a record label on the marketing side. And I got a job literally <laughs> on my third year of college and just started working. And I was also in a band and we were touring. So I, I dropped out of school for a hot minute and then went back to school because my mom's like, uh, you thought that was cute. You're going to graduate this school. <laughs> I, didn't come to Amer- I didn't come to America for you to not graduate uh, college here. So I went back to school, wrapped up, and it really was interested in communications at that time because it was very broad, right? Like, I'm so jealous of of kids who go to school now where they get to, like, look at digital media and look Mm -hmm. at broadcast and all these things as this, like, congealed, converged world where they can, like, learn in real time, right? When I was in in college, specifically, the internet had just started to become a big thing for promotion, right? MySpace. (laughs) Like Listen. MySpace became this marketing <laughs> vehicle, right? Especially in the music space and entertainment space. Everyone's like, oh my God, I can curate myself and make myself how look how I want to and you know, put a top eight up and 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 sell my shows. So that actually, funny enough, MySpace and promoting my band at the time was the way that I started to get into the music industry and marketing in the music industry. Cause I'm like, I know how to use this. I guess other bands need help doing it too, right? <laughs> uh so <laughs> That that was my segue into it. And there wasn't a course on it. There was no learning there. We were all learning from the ground up. Um, so, you know, kind of graduated college and really kind of started from the trenches up. You know, I worked in New York for $18,000 a year in my first oh my job, gosh. which is crazy. Oh in New York gosh. City, you were just like, Yo. yes, I was eating one, $1 pizzas every day. <laughs> Yo, that's crazy. $1 pizzas. And this was not the 50s, even though I may, you know, <laughs> that young. But, uh, but yeah, you know, kind of getting, getting through that and moving up the ranks. And, you know, I really did the record label hustle pretty early on in my career, heading up like publicity, um, digital market like nascent digital marketing at the time, like posting on websites and, you know, promoting through emails, all of those fun little vehicles. And then, and then I had a pretty pivotal moment in my career where it was 2006 and like everybody around me got laid off <laughs> at the record labels are working out. Everybody was just like, okay, well, recession time to go. Um, and then after that, I really, t- started to expand my horizons, right? I'm like, well, I'm new in my career. I thought I was working my dream job. And I went to an agency, which also had a media property called The Fader um, and Cornerstone Agency, which was a creative agency. Now at the time, even though I'm working at a brand, like an actual brand and a publisher now, it was mind blowing that brands would be able to kind of like find a footing in music and entertainment and utilize it as a promotional vehicle. So Cornerstone was doing some pretty innovative stuff at that time. And with the, you know, the fader at the helm, um, that kind of really started to like deepen my chops and understanding how media advertising, uh, TV, music, all of these things could come together to actually be the most impactful package um, that you could have. And at the same time, because I just love to hustle and I'm, you know, <laughs> immigrant family, you can always have more jobs. Um, you know, I was working at Sirius XM as a DJ, as a rock DJ every morning. So like, I was learning so much about the media landscape, becoming an, you know, an internet personality at the time, which was still, again, very, very nascent. This is like pre-YouTube. 
which is wild to me. Like, can you imagine a world with no YouTube? <laughs> people were posting YouTube on people were posting YouTube on Facebook during that time, and I was like, "What is this YouTube? This is crazy." You just have any video you want, and Vine and Vine was bubbling. Yo, so many memories. Yeah, so many good ones of Vine. So yeah, you know, you're kind of like you're growing with the media landscape, right? Um, and we're learning together, and um, I, I feel very privileged actually to be somebody who came up at that time because I feel like my counterparts and my peers that I know that are like a similar age who are and followed similar like paths. It's been interesting to see like we've all kind of diverged into different industries, but it's okay because we all learned this as it was starting to grow and it continues to grow as you know. Right. I like I don't even know where to go from that. Like you <laughs> like living the life, like serious musician, like you're basically Hannah Montana, like you're doing it all. <laughs> it was it was fun. It was my twenties. It was my twenties in New York, you know. So as you as anybody who's lived in New York City knows, like money is never enough and you figure out your ways to make money. Um but then I went back to the music industry again because I couldn't stay away. Uh so I started to work for Motown in LA. Like I moved oh, to LA. Oh my and, gosh. Um, was heading up digital marketing for Motown and and the brand as well, not just the artist roster. So that was really fun. And you know, who can say no to working for Motown? Like I had to give Come that a on. shot. Sure. Yeah, that's so cool. I had to try that. Then went back to New York at Atlantic and then tried a brand actually. I was at the North Face uh, during the pandemic for two and a half years, which was really fun. I was overseeing like brand digital marketing there and got to do some pretty bold, uh, you know, cause-driven campaigns. Like we did the Stop Hate for Profit um, campaign against Facebook and had a few different things that we were able to kind of do during that time. But I had always been so interested in the gaming industry and the convergence of all those different technological mediums together. So it's like tech and <laughs> have a baby, right? Uh, and it's just been such a whirlwind and an amazing time to help really develop our digital community marketing department. And have been really excited by the progression we made and like what we have in the future. And like speaking of like gaming now, like can you give us like a background on like what 2K is for those who aren't familiar and then like what you're currently doing there for them? Uh, sure. 2K is a publisher of games. Um, you might be familiar with some of our, our signature titles like NBA 2K, which I feel like Come a on. lot of people are very familiar with. <laughs> um, we have some other sports titles as well, like WWE, uh, we also have PGA. We on the what they call like the core side of defense. We just put out a game from Marvel, Marvel Midnight Suns. We have some classic games like Civilization, which has been around forever, but still continues to be a juggernaut. Uh, and a bunch of other games. I, I could go down like the entire list. Um, but you know, as a publishing company, we really do represent a deep variety of different games. A little, little bit something up for everybody, right? And we have even more coming in the future that we'll continue to deepen our pool too. Um, so when you t when you talk about like being a game publisher and like why 2K is important, <laughs> um, I think the NBA, if, if we even start with NBA, you know, we just have a specific style, a specific connection with culture, which was obviously like a very appealing part to me. I working for this company after working in hip hop for many, many years. Uh, <laughs> you know, what NBA 2K meant for hip hop as a game cannot be understated, right? And the connection of culture. So it's been really exciting to not only obviously they get in the trenches of the game and the technical aspects of it and the life services aspects of it, right? Like because games aren't just like you pop your you pop your tape in, you pop your CD in there and you're gone. There are live, it's a living, breathing machine. 
right? And it is a living, breathing machine that has differences every single day. So it's really interesting as a product as well, right? Like it, it, there's almost a little bit of undertone of like a social media network or a social media platform because there are so many different ways that we can pull different levers um, with different athletic, you know, athletic achievements or different athletic um, you know, kind of nods within our life services portion. And I feel like that's so true about like um, when you said that, I merely thought of, I remember when 2K5 came out, not me aging myself. Um, oh. <laughs> when that one came out, like I remember, like I, I was, they did it like a lot of like, uh, what do you call them? Like the game battles of it, like in the movie theaters. And then yeah. did, I swear you guys did a soundtrack for that one. I don't remember, but I feel like there was a soundtrack for it. So like all the artists were like getting behind it. I might be making that up. I don't know. But I remember it was like a big right. movement. It was a big like movement, like th- across music and everything. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, you look to like even some record labels in the past have done some interesting game plays, right? Like Def Jam had a lot of yes, like, I remember huge that. game. Oh my God, I remember that, yeah. <laughs> Who could forget, uh, yeah. you know, but props to them, right, for going in on that. And yeah, I mean, music continues to be a really big part of what we're doing um, for NBA 2K. And, you know, I'm really excited to bring a, bu- a bunch of my experience. Obviously, somebody who's like, half a lifelong label head, right? And somebody who's kind of like been in the trenches of digital marketing and music um, to bring that also to the ways that we're marketing our game within that space. And like also working with artists to promote their tracks, right? Tons of artists premiering tracks on our, uh, you know, on our, on our game. <laughs> so it's amazing to be able to also provide that platform. And again, cross-section those cultural happenings mm-hmm. because it's all lifestyle marketing at the end of the day, right? Like, you're going to adopt an affection for something based off of what it brings to your life and how it makes you feel, right? And I think that as a marketer, that's just one of those things you always have to keep in mind, no matter what you're selling, right? I was selling coats in my last job. (laughs) Believe me, I have an affinity for that Nupsy jacket like no other, right? Like growing up in New York City, like that Nupsy jacket meant everything with your Tims. Mm -hmm. It was a look, right? Okay, talk about it. Talk about it. Everything, everything. So it's, it's the same kind of principle as you go into any kind of marketing avenue. And I think like, you know, the fastness of digital marketing now where it's like all these platforms are constantly churning out content, 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 right. Doesn't negate the power of actual influential emotion that your content needs to have. And and that connection with it, with influencers and creators too, which is a big part of actually what I'm trying to bring um, to DK. And we're already starting to really see, uh, you know, as we work on all these different campaigns around these game releases, it is vital as we know the creator economy is driving how people adopt products, right? And those products include entertainment products, whether it's games, whether it's music, whether it's videos, whether it's TV, like influencer and creator marketing is driving all of that. Now doing it a sexy and clever way is where we try to go, right? And to get that balance between those between those lifestyle connections and the gaming connections so that we can also like speak to the community that really has built up the game as well. So bringing that and coupling that with social and how that appears on social and cross-purposing that content, as well as building actual communities through discord, through Twitch content that we're, we're doing through Reddit. um, All of those things together create one big entity but making sure that all those things align at the same time and all those things have an awareness of each other is obviously the human of the job. And that's why I'm here. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And uh, that's another thing. Like, I feel like now, like, like you said, we have so many platforms. Like, we have Discord. We have TikTok. We have Instagram, Facebook. Like, are, do you guys feel like there's a few that you're prioritizing more of to like speak to like the audience, like whether it's like younger gamers or like parent gamers or whatever, do you feel like there's one that's kind of your guys's main focus when like working on promoting games? There isn't a main focus, but I believe in funneling your vision, right. And making sure that you have platform first as your, your, your North star for strategy. So like, there's the obvious ones, right? Like if you're not on TikTok at this point, (laughs) <laughs> and if you don't recognize that the entire world, myself included, uses TikTok as an actual like search engine, um, you're fooling yourself, right? So I think that, you know, the TikTokification of these other platforms too, I think cannot be ignored, right? Like basically you templatize that TikTokness in Instagram, Pinterest, right? Like even YouTube shorts have started to really pop off for them because of the same elements. So yeah, when we're looking at that, there's going to be the obvious that like, TikTok is not just reaching like millennials that we have already like adopted into our ecosystem and love the game and, and play the game year after year on NBA, but also like really looking at the power of TikTok and, and the extended reach between the gaming audience, the lifestyle audience, whatever that lifestyle may be, right? Um, and also like looking at the power, like YouTube is not going away. <laughs> Mm-hmm. YouTube is a hundred percent not going away. In fact, today we we're looking at you know a few like saucy. Um, Twitter posts about just like YouTube even sh- like really coming for the neck of Twitch, right? Like the streaming <laughs> elements there, you know, like the streaming elements have always been there, but I feel like they're making a real concerted effort, especially in the gaming space to really make more flashes, especially with the creators directly, because there is very clear cut revenue opportunities there that, um, that cut some pretty big checks for a lot of people. So that and Twitch, obviously like your game, Mm-hmm. It kind of makes sense. You, to you gotta be on there. Place. And you know, the Twitch isn't the discords of the world, but but to me, Discord is more of a community channel and it's a channel that really sort of foster our audiences and not only like allow them to speak with each other, but uh also for us to speak with them and, and speak to their needs and understand their needs as well. And then like speaking of and you reminded me of a good point now that I said that is like all the new game releases and stuff like Whenever you guys are like doing your game launches, like, do you guys feel like what's like the first one that you guys think of? Like, we were like, okay, like we're about to drop this game. Like, let's start with a live stream or let's start with this. Like, is there like the one that you guys kind of do the rollouts with first? It depends on the game, right? I think it's extremely important for you to look at the audiences. So everything starts with insights, right? This is the one thing that I think um, 
kind of funny coming from the music industry where literally everything comes on vibe and feel. <laughs> like, it's so stupid. You're like, yo, this is just, it's hot right now. It's hot. <laughs> just got to get some heat on it. Some fan the flames. If I heard fan the flames one more time, I would have just like fell off a cliff. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, especially with gaming and tech, like we're, we have so much data, right? Like we have data to pull from. There's insights, there's market research, brand research, right? And we want to start from a place of founded, founded competency, right? Like we want to make sure that the plans that we're putting together are based on insights and based off those insights of our target audiences this time around, right? Like, and they're not always the same for an annual title like NBA, you know, we should be learning every year of like, who are we winning with and but who do we need to win more with, right? And that's kind of really what founds that that social and digital strategy for me because it really is looking all right like how are we a like honoring the community that's already there but then also trying to build it and then b like what are the other avenues um that we could reach more extended audiences that we aren't organically reaching at current so it really could vary um you know a platform actually like an nba 2k it's surprising how huge our twitter following is but you know, it's obviously with like a lot of the changes, we keep an eye on it and we will we'll see how the platform continues to evolve. But it, it is not a place that we can ignore because our audience is there and it is a news source for a lot of our people, too. So, yes, there, there's a bit of like insights prioritization and just making sure that we're looking at that individually for each game. And every I know this sounds like such a sweeping response, but if you're not looking at each of those things case by case, then you're not actually doing it right. You have to look at everything individually and look at the factors that created that ecosystem and that experience, and then look at how you can do that. And look, then then a month later, you better look to pivot if, if things Honestly. aren't working, right? Like you got to have a plan B, plan C, plan D, right? Like I think that that's extremely important for any digital marketer, anybody, even if you're a creator and you have your own brand, right? Think of how many, how many videos these creators make, like, and how many of them are a dub? Like I'll look on TikTok and see some creators that's like 200 views, 300 views. And then one will be like 5 million views, right? It's just part of the plan. Like you just always have to have, you know, kind of like be concerted, but also have backup plans and be able to like understand that it is a numbers game at certain points when you're marketing digitally. No, and that's so true. Like I feel like a lot of times like people are like, oh, well, this is the way that like we've always done it when we used Facebook. So we're just going to paste that same video to Instagram or paste that same video to TikTok, And it's like, um, no, <laughs> you can't do that. Like you got to figure it <laughs> Yeah. You're like, like that. You can't, can't just do that. You got to figure out like how the audience likes to be talked to on that platform. Like you said, and like, look at the data. And I feel like that's or a step that a lot of people there. miss. Yeah. Or not show up there. I mean, look how long Nike's been on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Nike has not been on Facebook for, I don't maybe 10 years at this point, I don't, maybe not full 10 years, but it's been a very long time, right? And that's an obvious intentional effort, right? But that's okay, because I think that like, when, when you work at any company or your own, your own business or whatever you're doing, you have to look at what your capabilities are and figure out where you can be most impactful. And I'm not mad at companies that maybe opt out like Lush as a company doesn't even doesn't even have an appearance on social media, which is wild to me at this stage, right? <laughs> but 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 look, like whatever company you're working at, whenever you're viewing your, you know, your marketing campaign, you have to look where you're gonna be most impactful. And, you know, looking at that in an individual case by case basis will just benefit you overall. Yeah, like I think I think that's so true. It's so key. You can't be like, oh well, everybody's on Pinterest now. Let's just start posting pics like <laughs> 
why are you on Pinterest? Like that doesn't make sense. Like it has to make sense to your business. Like, yeah, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have a robust one on Pinterest. Hey, but you never know. Maybe we'll, we would have a very design forward game that it might make sense. Right. So I, I never, I never take anything off the table until it's off. Right. Like, like Come it's on. always worth the consideration at the top. Right. Like, and you do yourself a disservice by not keeping on top of trends and understanding what's going on. You know, when we had, in the Web3 space, I wasn't working here yet, but I was working at the North Face and very fraught space for an environmental company, given the fact that there's a lot of environmental implications to the blockchain and all this stuff. And it was interesting, like, despite those implications, I still brought a lot of those ideas to the table. Because you have to. Because if you're a marketer, you need to keep on top of marketing technology and the way that it's pivoting. And, you know, the people, the people will speak. The people make the decision. The company doesn't get the decision. The people and the consumers make the decision. So it only behooves you to actually follow where the people are going. Talk about it. And speaking of people, <laughs> um, are there are there any like cool like releases or games that we need to be hyped for? Feel the vibe that we should get excited about? Because I know I'm excited. I I didn't realize that you guys did a WWE like. 22. I used to love WWE when I was younger. That was like yes. I didn't know. So I'm way behind. I I didn't even know that was still going on. I just re-entered my gaming era. So I'm re. It's been a minute. So well, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what I missed. <laughs> well, as you'll see, uh, we had a cover reveal that we did on our socials um, that we kind of leverage a bunch of global creators with as well as WWE superstars. Um, you know, one of the things I think that has been a big pivot for a lot of people, probably in the gaming industry, but in entertainment in general, is kind of walking away from a bit of the long form content trailer style releases. And, you know, with this WWE cover reveal, we wanted to make sure that we looked at the really active communities that love the WWE, um, that love John Cena, <laughs> that love all the people, you know, that have really kind of created the history and the richness of the WWE and kind of bring the people from the streets to the top, right? Into the into the conversation. And, you know, this it's not new thinking, but I think for the WWE, right? Like where you sit as the consumer in your chair and you watch kind of this theater happen in front of you to be able to bring people who are sitting in their seats also in engaging with a larger campaign like that um, was a really key and pivotal moment for us to be able to really integrate and fold in creator and influencer marketing into this cover reveal. So, you know, with WWE, lots of fun stuff planned, supporting obviously gameplay, some stuff on Twitch um, that we'll be doing, uh, just helping to support our live services. But overall, it's also another game that's very driven by music. And what I love, it just all of these things kind of come together for me, right? <laughs> um, and so, supporting it through our soundtracks and just our, like other special stars that we can bring in into the ecosystem too. Um, it's just really important for us to be able to give that like cultural representation in addition to the superstars and other people who are fans of the gaming space. No, yeah, the music always like I always tell people I'm like when I used to like play like Tony Hawk Pro Skater and stuff. It was always the soundtracks that like made you want to play the game more. So that's so key, and that hasn't changed. Like years later, that the music and stuff, like you said, people artists are premiering tracks on games. That it's so vital to the whole game and stuff. Like you said, to lifestyle. So it's not just yeah one facet. Well, because you listen to music too, you don't just play games, right? It's like you want to <laughs> like put on. It's, <laughs> it's kind of simple, right? Like I remember I used to play Donkey Kong in my room when I was like maybe I don't know, like twelve, right, twelve or thirteen, and 
I would blast the music over the Donkey Kong and just play Donkey Kong over and over and over and over again. Right. And, you know, now it's just part of the game, right? Like a lot of people were doing that anyway, because it's just like really kind of a great accompaniment. And um, yeah, I mean, with WWE, like we're excited to kind of bring those elements together and it's, it's just such a cool game because it really, you know, the fans really have a heavy hand in the conversation and the community that we built. And, you know, again, like, you know, beefing up this Twitch show that we're doing, kind of helping them to kind of get, get a bit of a say every week and get a sneak peek of what's happening behind the game is also really important to us because really we want to be player first. We want to make sure that the players know that we're listening. We're on the other end there and continuing to do that and give them avenues to really make those you know, those conversations come to life and for us to listen and try to make as many changes as we can to make the product the best we can. That's where it's at. And I feel like what you brought up a good point, like what social media and stuff, like you guys can hear firsthand, like what people are wanting to see, like if something stuck or something didn't like stick or what like types of games or what more they want to see, like you guys have firsthand data right there. The most interesting part for me in entering the gaming, uh, the gaming industry is that this is the only medium I've ever worked in. You know, music, TV, films, product, where people can make a really strong statement as to how they feel about the product, and the product potentially could change because of their statements. Like, in product, it takes forever. Like, if you were to do a jacket or whatever, it's like, all right, see you in three years. <laughs> right? But but for us, which, what's great about the live services model and just, like, having some of these games that, like, you know, having that community interaction, it's like, it's kind of incredible that people are able to put their opinions forward and then also like potentially get them heard. And like, we're trying to hear and listen and react and interact with as many people as possible. And those players are literally our life split. So, um, you know, we're here to serve them at the end of the day. Come on. And then to wrap us up, like for those listening, they were like, oh, Zena, you're so cool. You did music. Girl, you're over here. But I don't know how to get into the gaming industry. Like, what advice? Because I feel like a lot of times people feel like there's not a lot of info about how to break work for a gaming brand like you all or other types. Like, what advice do you have for someone who's like wants to get in? Oh man, um, I run a Asian American nonprofit for creatives, and I get this question asked me all the time, right? <laughs> and I think like everyone's like, can I have a coffee? And every coffee I have is literally that question. Um, like, how do I break through? How do I get in? And I think having tenacity and resilience is extremely important because nothing is going to happen overnight, right? Like if you would ask me 20 years ago, would this be where I'm at? I'm like, no, nah, man, I'm going to be on forever, you know? Like I'm going <laughs> to be performing every city. Like I'm not sitting at a desk and doing the jobs and things. But, you know, like, a career is an evolving beast, right? A career can take you in many different places, whether it be in a corporate entity, whether it be in a, you know, your own business, whether you partner with somebody else, whether you're a creator and your whole economy is made off of the creator economy, right? Um, I think getting into these industries, it's a mix of things, right? Yes, a lot of it is about who you know, but how are you going to find them? And how are you going to put yourself out there and distinguish yourself with something different, right? And again, that resilience, I think, is, is really important because, I get tons of kids who are hitting me up on LinkedIn and this place and that place. And it's like, Hey, maybe find me in person one day. And then it costs me. <laughs> and I've had people do that. I've had people do yeah. that. Right? And when they do that, maybe I'm, maybe I'm a specific kind of, um, you know, crazy where I'm like, I love that. I'm like, you found me. Cool. <laughs> I'll give you, I'll give you half an hour of my time. Right. Mm. But, but it's being tenacious. Right. And trying to find, 
the person who can give you more information, but also understanding they're a person and they got things to do, right? And it's not that they don't want to help you. It's actually like you're asking access from them. I think one of the things that younger people sometimes have done that I think has been really effective is like, hey, can I help you with the project that you're doing right now? Can I gain some experience from you? Can I help you with your podcast and like help you with your social channels? And I always meet the most talented and interesting people through that, like the, the young, the younger folks, the young, the young influentials. <laughs> um, and, and it's like every tactic is so different, but just being tenacious and being resilient when you hear no, you're going to hear a 7 billion no's, as you know. And even when you get to the top, you're going to hear no a lot as well. Like no one never stops. It's literally pivoting and finding out how you get that maybe to a yes every step of the way that will make you a successful person in whatever you're doing, right? And and whatever you want to define as success, right? Because I I still think that there's so much more success for me to have in my life too, right? I never I'm never satisfied. I never feel like anything is enough. So I would my biggest piece of advice would be put yourself out there. Don't be afraid of being corny or being being over the top but be respectful right because Mm -hmm. people are people and people will help you when you're able to connect with them but they are also people so with that tenacity and really trying to like knock on the door of what you want you know just remember the world may look one way to you in your dreams but your dream could be something completely different than you actually think and that's like don't stay to one vision like don't don't adhere so quickly to one vision right because your world could be completely different and that's okay because actually that vision could be even better than you expected talk see just drop the mic we're done we're done <laughs> that's it that, that, that's I'm it we're living done. the dream yeah i'm like i'm like done well my said. dog is living her best life yeah like i'll play <laughs> But Zita, thank you so much for coming and just thank you. dropping so much knowledge on us. Of course. Thank you so much. I really appreciate being here. Wow. How great was this episode? If you were like me, you probably took a lot of notes and have a lot of questions and comments. So if you do, feel free to add us at Adweek across Twitter, Instagram, all the social medias. And we'd love to hear from you all. And feel free to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That always helps us. And we can't wait to hear from you all and see you in the next episode. So bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Young Influentials, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Aarons, and edited by Lane McGibney at Bountwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com.